off top. Miami is the only American city known to be founded by a woman named Julia Tuttle. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. What up, Charlie? How you like those Miami facts for you? That's where I am right now. That's why I have Miami facts. I'm down near the, the uh, statue that reminds people that this city was founded by a woman who convinced the railroad to come here. And now we have this big, I was going to say wonderful, but uh, it's certainly not the word. It's not bad, but it's not wonderful. It's special. Big, special city. I'm a, I'm a Miami guy. I love Miami. It's great. Wonderful. Yeah, I Wonderful is not the word. You can call it wonderful if you want to. Exciting? Exciting is better. Yeah, wonderful feels, I guess maybe it's just me uh, adding some like wholesomeness to the word wonderful. When I hear wonderful, I, I feel like something soft and, and cuddly. I was about to say, are you picturing like a very warm cottage, cottage <laughs> life when you say wonderful? This is not wonderful. It's it's positive overall, but it's not wonderful. Anyway, speaking of football, we're going to get to some very exciting football takes from both of us. Uh, you've promised some some good storyline predictions for us. We're going to get to some uh, Djokovic talk because you, I think, are going to argue that he is the greatest of all time across all sports. Is that is that true? That's an easy argument for me to win. That's a layup. We'll get to it. No, no spoilers. I don't. I you don't put don't put takes in my mouth. <laughs> Okay, I'll try not to, but I'm gonna I wanna... have all of your all of your troll followers tweeting me, being like, "How dare you putting oh, Djokovic hey. over over X, Y, and Z?" Uh, I mean, Jordan, Brady, Bill Russell, Babe Ruth, actually Barry Bonds, probably the greatest baseball player ever. I don't care about. Yeah, oh yeah, we can go down that. I, I we could do a whole podcast on Barry Bonds. Give me, I, give me Barry Bonds for sure. I mean, do you know how comical it was that steroids are not? He was on base six out of ten times in an, in a major league season. It's absurd. It was essentially impossible to get him out if he threw him. If you <laughs> if he stood up to the plate, he was going to end up most likely. If you just did it by uh, OPS, he's probably going to end up on second base, and that's if you're lucky. Because if you gave him any sort of I mean, God forbid you gave him a high fastball because that thing's gone 500 feet and it's looking like he hit it with like a rocket launcher. Remember when, I mean, Tiger Woods is in this conversation also, even if he does you know, all the, but remember when people used to say like hitting a baseball was the hardest thing to do in all the sports? Barry Bonds made it seem like it was easy every time. And I, I, mean, I don't even love baseball like that, but I recognize that there was something different about him. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's spectacular. It's like there's a that they one of the Barry Bonds things I think is is fascinating is that like he was essentially Mickey Mantle and he was not treated with that uh, reverence because he was such a big asshole and he was so off putting to people. From I mean, this guy got kicked off of his college team at Arizona State and then they held a vote before the College World Series and they were like, guys. We are we gonna is the whole team gonna vote Barry Bonds like the best player of all time? We're gonna vote him off the team, and the majority of the team voted him off the team. And the coach is like, "Not unanimous, Barry's back. Let's go to Omaha." That's a great story. I mean, that's a perfect, uh, I guess, person to be talking about right now. I guess somewhat because 
I mean, Joker, we have a similar situation where he's incredibly good, but it's not because he's an asshole, but because he's just kind of dry and doesn't care. His playing style is not all that explosive. And I feel we're like talking, we're talking Jokic, not Jokic, Jokic. Now, right? I said Jokic. Okay, okay. I mean, you know, they said Joker, but they're both they're okay, both, they're both Joker. So I was yeah. like, <laughs> right. I needed I mean, to clarify Jokic, the center for the the Nuggets. He's his who we're assuming are NBA champions by the time you listen to this. We're recording this on Monday. I'm not assuming. I think the Heat going to extend this thing. I'm in Miami. Uh, heat culture. I bought in. They're going to extend this thing one more game and come back. Give us another game. Right. Maybe. No. no. Uh, sure. <laughs> we'll That's see. optimistic. Well, I mean, they've proven us wrong so many other times. I decided I want to be on the side of hope this time, not on the side of evidence. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to these football takes because we're getting ready for football season. It's coming. That's what we're going to likely be spending the rest of the summer talking about after the Heat win the championship in seven games. So I do want to hand it over to you because you promised some good football predictions for me to react to. What do you got? Before you go, let's remind the listeners that last year I picked the final four. I was right. I picked the final two. I was right. And I picked the champion all in August before the season started. So I am the perfect arbiter for predictions. Go right ahead, sir. So these aren't necessarily predictions as much as they are storylines I think that we are going to talk about like I, I can see each yeah. one of these being a lower third on whether it's like first take or get up and you have like an exasperated greenie talking about one of these things uh in in October so I'm gonna go with one that I think can be broken down into three subtopics but I think it's going to tickle your fancy off the top um and that is this is the year we're gonna get answers on the NFL race war topics. And those three topics are Josh Allen. I think people are going to turn on Josh Allen. <laughs> Two, I think there's more pressure. There's more pressure on Lamar Jackson than there ever has been in his career oh. because if he plays five good games, then stinks again. And you know what I like. Part three of that, part three of that, Eric the enemy. Because we're going to know if it was just Patrick Mahomes or Andy Reid. Because if he cooks with Sam Howell, Ron Rivera, and the Washington Commanders, we are going to be calling him the second coming. And he will not just get interviews next offseason if that is the case. So that's my take. Storylines. Those three storylines. Those are great storylines. And you are right up my alley in things that I find incredibly interesting. No one's turning on Josh Allen. You're wrong about that. I think the pressure. If he's, if he's short in the playoffs for another year, you don't think there's going to be a storyline being like, why did we anoint this guy a Hall of Famer? He's who we thought he was the whole time. Nope. I don't see. I mean, assuming he still has a good, productive, regular season. And I mean, if he gets knocked out in the, I just don't see it being blamed on him because mm. so much of their success is attributed to him. It's the, I mean, it's honestly the treatment that Lamar Jackson probably deserves, but doesn't get is like, what do I? Yeah. We get there and it's like, well, Lamar can't get him past this round or Lamar can't win a playoff game. Like they're only here because Lamar Jackson, Lamar is the perfect example because they were destined to miss the playoffs until he took over in his rookie year and won six in a row. They got into playoffs and then they lost and then he's MVP and they get in the playoffs and they lose. They finally advanced in the playoffs, but it still wasn't enough. And then last year he didn't even play in a playoff game. So it's hard to, we're on, we put players on these timelines. And if you don't reach the benchmarks as when you're supposed to, the tradition is to then blame you. 
But football is so complicated. I think that you can find ways to excuse away the shortcomings of the players that you like for a period of time. And because Josh Allen lost that game to the Chiefs, uh, that uh, 13 second game to the Chiefs a few years ago, we kind of counted that. He had the best offseason or the best um, postseason that year, or that two seasons ago. He had the yeah. best postseason. We left that postseason thinking more highly of him than we did of anybody else, even in a loss because of what he did. So I think that got him some level of credibility that I think is going to take more than a couple seasons to lose. And it does matter how you lose. And the Lamar Jackson losses, the offense didn't put up numbers. So I think people were predisposed, ready to to blame Lamar Jackson and then. They didn't put up numbers, whether it's because Greg Roman's offense was a little bit congested, his uh, his scheme was a little congested, or they didn't have big-time playmakers on the outside. There are lots of things you could point to and excuse Lamar Jackson, but the fact of the matter is he's the quarterback on the team that couldn't score enough points to win in the big moment. That has never been, or at least the last couple seasons, that wasn't the criticism of Josh Allen. So I think what it really matters how he exits the playoffs and maybe he doesn't exit play. If he gets to the Super Bowl, then I think that's enough. People will mm. still consider him among the best and still say he's on the rise. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does in a regular season, though. Because I yeah. think we talk about him as as if he is up there with Patrick Mahomes, but he hasn't had... He can play as well as Patrick Mahomes at times, but Patrick Mahomes has done it. Now, with last season... He's even done it without a true number one receiver, but he's done it year after year after year after year. And then you had this last season with without his number one receiving threat. And I'm including Travis Kelsey in that without the most dangerous man in the NFL. Uh, it's hard to like punch any holes in what Patrick Mahomes has done in two Super Bowls. Obviously, all the comebacks. Uh, Josh Allen hasn't put up the numbers or had the success to be in the same conversation, but I think he certainly gets a pass from a lot of guys. So I think you're wrong. I think what matters is how he exits. If he throws a bunch of turnovers, then I think we'll, if he has a bad regular season or a mediocre regular season, and then has two interceptions and a loss in the playoffs, then we'll talk about him. If he throws for 350 and two touchdowns and they lose in the playoffs, uh, I don't know, 35 to 32, we're still going to talk about him the way that we have. It's not going to be like it's his fault. You disagree? No, no. I just I'm I'm starting to see the headlines now on first take. Josh Allen has a couple slumping weeks. We're like mid November, and it's like a, there's a first take graphic where they've put Josh Allen on a turkey, and they're they're debating if they were right. And Stephen A is debating, being like, I guess all the draft prognosticators were right the entire time. You can't see that happening. You can't see anyone turning on Josh Allen if he doesn't take a leap this year. And I, I know he's one been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL for a couple of years. But with that, there become expectations of when we want that person to start winning. You don't think he's starting to reach the point where it's sort of a shit or get off the pot time? Yeah, but I guess I kind of feel like he's he's met the expectations last year was the first year. Yeah. You're being so logical here. Yeah. I think you're right. The problem is we have a lot of days to fill and a lot of conversations to have. Once the season starts, somebody is going to say that Josh Allen has not reached expectations, but I'm looking back at his career now. So his rookie year had a 49 
QBR. Then the next year, 49 QBR again. Just so you know, that's below average. That's not good. Then his third year was when he went 76 last year. Uh, then the next year he goes 66. Then last year, 71. Uh, those are all very good. That's around the top of the league as far as QBR is concerned. So I think he has a track record and they've been winning. He has a track record that suggests that he's a little bit safe. It does matter if he, yeah, it just comes down to his playoff performance. And I, you tied this to the Lamar Jackson and Eric Bieniemy. You you really front loaded this. These are interesting. Uh, I got a bunch more. <laughs> really? All right. So I'll have to go faster. So Lamar Jackson. No, no, take your time. I'll, I'll weed out the bad ones. One of my projections was Lamar Jackson. We're going to see high level Lamar Jackson again, MVP level Lamar Jackson again. I, I do believe that the new spread or not spread, but the new offense that is going to incorporate a lot more wide formations is to his advantage. A lot more explosive playmakers that you can't cover man coverage. Been over this with Mina on her podcast a couple of times. We're both very excited about what the Ravens can do this season in part because the the danger of what the Ravens are doing or what Lamar Jackson brings is every play is a play action with his running ability. Even if they don't do like a play action handoff, him having the ball suggests that you got to be ready to stop the run. And I always hated that they kept everyone in tight and they used big tight ends and didn't have any deep threat, scary receivers out there, at least healthy and consistent, because what you want to do in football is create dilemmas for the defense. And if the dilemma is, all right, you load the box to stop Lamar Jackson. All right, we're going to make you pay with a 10-yard pass to Mark Andrews. And the defense isn't scared. They line up and do it again. They assume they're going to get a sack at some point or cause a fumble at some point, or you're going to turn it over at some point. If the dilemma is you load up the box to stop Lamar Jackson as a running threat or Rashard Bateman goes over the top or Odell Beckham runs through your defense or Zay Flowers gets one of your or gets your third corner in isolation. Like that's scary. That's a decision that you actually have to make. And the most success that people had against Lamar Jackson, like the book on Lamar Jackson, so much that there is one to stop him is to be aggressive and blitz him. Again, aggressive and blitz him. You have to have a trade-off. So if you're going to blitz, you weaken your coverage. If you weaken your coverage against their current or their previous receiver set, you're not that scared that Isaiah likely is going to cook you. He's a good tight end, but I mean... You line up and you play man coverage with a safety or even a linebacker on Andrews and likely and you feel OK. But right now, I don't know what shape Odell Beckham is in, but assuming he's has something left in the tank, you're looking at zero coverage against Odell Beckham on one side, Rashad Bateman on the other side. And we'll see what Flowers turns out to be. But he didn't lose his speed and quickness between college and now. Maybe he doesn't turn out to be a like a true, true number one, but I think he's still going to be a hard matchup for a third corner on any team. So it's like a scary proposition. And then we haven't even gotten to the fact that suggests you do cover them all pretty well. And you still got Lamar Jackson to, to deal with if he tucks it and runs or if they run design runs with him. So I think this kind of rolls into one of the predictions that I wanted to make is I think the Ravens are the biggest threat to the chiefs. And I could see them beating the chiefs. Uh, out of any team in the AFC right now, if I had to pick someone not named Kansas City to win the AFC, I think it's the Ravens, including the Bengals. As the Bengals have lost some bodies on defense. The Ravens' defense yeah. is getting better as the season has gone along. And 
they have they don't have any reason to, to believe that they're going to get any worse. They lost Calais Campbell as their biggest loss, I think. But I mean, Roquan Smith turned their defense around, and he did it midseason. Now he's got a full offseason. And Kyle Hamilton, the full offseason after his rookie year to get better. And he was one of the better safeties in football last year. Or well, he plays a lot of different positions, but he was really good last year. So adding him, I think there's some questions about the depth at cornerback, but they still have uh, one of the best corner in, in Humphrey, one of the best corners in football. So I really like this team and they're well coached. They're well coached. They don't make mistakes. They're smart. They're analytical, they have good culture. Like it's all the things that you want from a team. So I'd be worried about them. And the last one, the enemy. So what are you predicting for B enemy? Cause you didn't really predict anything or you refused to make a prediction. You said that they would, uh, he, I guess, will be able to determine whether he deserves a job or he was just a product of the Andy Reid and uh, Patrick Mahomes situation. I think that I got, I, I was so mealy mouse with, with all of this. I think that my, uh, my storyline prediction was just that we're going to get answers on all, all three of these topics, which have sort of been the hot button to- topics uh, and talking points in NFL circles for like the last few years because. The enemy thing, and I think it was fascinating, was that, yeah, it was completely unfair. He didn't get head coaching jobs. But I think it was also, for a normal football fan, it is really hard to parse how good of an offensive coordinator someone is when they have, you know, maybe the greatest quarterback of all time and, and Andy Reid and Tyree Kill and Travis. You know, it's just really hard for an average fan to know what who's responsible for what. And so putting him in a vastly different situation where it's Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett playing quarterback. I think we get a lot more answers fair or not. And I do think that that will be a storyline that will be talked about because if they're good six weeks into the season, that is going to be an a one headline on a lot of ESPN shows. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll find out whether, because I, I think a coach, an offensive mind as good as Andy Reid is going to get something out of Sam Howell. It's going to get something out of everybody. You know, like yeah. he, he will get you the best version of this quarterback. Uh, if Eric Bieniemy turns Sam Howell into an average quarterback, even slightly below average quarterback, I think most of us will be like, "All right, he's pretty good." And that's not fair to Sam Howell. Maybe Sam Howell is great, but I think the the belief is Sam Howell is going to be really dependent on the scheme. He's not going to break out of the scheme and outplay the expectations. The idea of um, I'm I'm in a weird place, I guess, when we talk about Eric Bieniemy being a head coach, because I'm not naive enough to think race doesn't play some factor in it. But I find it really hard to believe that it is the predominant factor in why he hasn't gotten a job yet, based on the success that he's had, combined with the fact that other black coaches have gotten jobs. If you were an organization that was comfortable with hiring a black coach, which I think there are plenty of organizations that are not, and some organizations that are comfortable with hiring a black coach only in a situation when they expect them to lose, like when they are in rebuild mode, they would like to hand out the, the job to the black coach then. And then when they believe it's their roster is ready, then they transition back to someone that they're more comfortable with. But I guess I can't. I, Not that I've done in-depth reporting, but I've talked to people around the league and no one has given a good, solid answer, which is why I think we all end up back on it's because he's black. 
but no one's given a solid answer for why he hasn't gotten a job, especially when you see uh, people from the Andy Reid coaching tree get jobs with much less success on a shorter time period uh, with even more help than Eric Bieniemy was afforded. So none of it makes sense, but I guess I just, this is a real dead fish I'm throwing in your lap right now because there's really no, no way for you to answer this, but I don't know what it is. I'm in DC, so I guess I should be rooting for the commanders, but I never really have. But this year, I guess I'm kind of just rooting for Andy Reid. And I think most of us are, right? For Bianami. I mean, I'm sorry, not not Bianami. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Andy Reid doesn't need anybody. We're always rooting for Andy Reid, too, and just have, have a postseason cheeseburger. Two time Super Bowl champ and currently has the best quarterback in football saying that he is willing to take team friendly deals. Andy Reid don't need us to root for him. But Eric Bieniemy, like I want him to succeed, right? Don't we all kind of want him to have success? I oh yeah, I think everyone does. I, at least everyone around here. And I think I mean we're going from Scott Turner to Eric Bieniemy, and the Commanders have good skill position guys. Uh, like uh, Dotson McClure, Dotson was great before he. I think he injured his hamstring last year, and it was sort of on and off before that. Um, and Howell is someone who I think a lot of people locally think might not actually be terrible. So yeah, everyone is rooting for Bianni. I think there's a prevailing thought here that he's more or less the coach in waiting. And that if things go sour with Rivera in the first half of the season, that this is essentially get him getting a head coaching job anyway. Um, Cause he could be the head coach by Halloween. What are the expectations in that, in that division? So that division was the best division in football. The commanders were eight and eight last year, right? Yeah. I mean, eight, eight and one, they were eight, eight and one last year and they were last place, which is crazy that you could be 500 in last place. But uh, I don't think anyone expects them to be better than the Cowboys or the Eagles. Right. So the expectation is to knock off the giants. Your hope is for third place in that division. And that's just like, that's just the, the, the state of play with the talent in that division. Um, and like the Cowboys still have an awesome roster and, and you know, that's not just Howie Roseman. The only way, the only way the Eagles aren't the best team in that division is, is like if we look up and it's like Jalen Hurts sprained his knee in week four and he's not back until week ten, um, which is not a fun thing to talk about. But that's 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 the path for it to for them not to win the division. I mean, I, I think the Cowboys have a legitimate chance to win the division even without injury. The Cowboys are competitive. I think um, the Eagles are more talented. You don't think the Cowboys are? I mean, the thing about football is while the Eagles have more talent, the game. It's so much like, I guess this doesn't help the argument, but like coaching, there are so many other variables. I think when you're, when yeah. you're close, as far as talent is concerned, that's good enough, you know? And I sure. think the Cowboys are close. Uh, I guess the big advantage right now would be quarterback goes to the Eagles because last year, before last season started, I would have said quarterback edge goes to the Cowboys and that makes up the difference. But if they have more talent and better coaching or at least a push at the coaching and a better quarterback, I guess you should expect the Eagles to win. Um, and I actually think the, the, the biggest encouraging thing with the Eagles is Jalen Hurts is still like ascending. Like, yeah. like he, he took such a leap last year and it's obviously not going to be exponential like that year to year, but if there's small linear jumps of him improving and expanding his game, it's like that offense who really knows what the ceiling for it is going to be. Um, NFC East is also the, the division that nobody has won back to back in like 15 years, right? Yeah, long time. So, um, I mean, just going with the odds, we got to go Cowboys this year. Maybe the Giants will win it. That'll be fun. So, you want a couple more storylines? Saquon Barkley. Yeah, give me some more storylines. This is a two parter. Okay. 
This is a two-parter. So the first part, and this is this is still slightly quarterback related. We'll go to other parts of it first. First one. The Jets are going to regret the Aaron Rodgers trade by Thanksgiving. And that's a very specific timeline. And this is uh, you know, I was really jealous of Bill Barnwell's take that the Jets are gonna finish last in the AFC East. And I was like, how can I take this? And how can I Stephen AFI it? And I was like, let's look, let's look, let's do some schedule watching. Cause I want to read to you the uh, Jets schedule until November 24th, which by the way, the Friday after Thanksgiving, now there's football. So that's going to be great. Um, but oh, Black first Friday. game of the season. Oh. Yeah. First game of the season. They got the bills. Let's call them own one. Okay. They got the Cowboys. Let's call them own two. They got the Patriots one and two. They got the Jets one and three. They got the Broncos. They got the Giants. Or, sorry, they got the Chiefs. Oh, the Chiefs. Chiefs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a L. They've got the Broncos. That could be a loss. Yeah. Broncos are still very talented. It depends on whether uh, uh, Sean Payton can get the quarterback situation playing well. The Broncos are not going to. Don't, don't spoil out. the second part of my of my take. My bad. My bad. My bad. Okay, so then they got the Eagles. It could be one in five. Goodness gracious. They got the Giants. Who knows what Daniel Jones will be with the second year of Dayball. Um, let's call it two and five. Chargers, <laughs> three, and three and five. The Jets, and then they got the Raiders, four and five. Bills, four and six. And then the Dolphins on that game. They could be four and seven. Yeah, that that's a distinct possibility. Their strength of schedule, what, what is it? Six hardest schedule in the NFL, but it's really front-loaded. Um, and the second part of that take is with the Russell Wilson of it all. And I think... We're going to have a you know comeback year with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. We'll probably know within the first month because if he's bad in that first month, month with Sean Payton, they'll bench him. But my storyline here is going to be the Broncos got it right, trading for Russell Wilson and not Aaron Rodgers when the Jets start that way and we all eat some crow. Could you see that storyline being on a TV show? Could you see it week eight, like it's a six and two Broncos team? All right. Well, I appreciate that you coming with the hot takes because then it allows me to be reasonable is – that requires mm-hmm. two things to happen. The Jets got to stink and the Broncos got to be good. And both Aaron Rodgers has to play poorly and Russell Wilson has to play well. That's a hard. I mean, I feel like one of those things is going to happen. Saying both of those things going to happen is really hard for me to, to wrap my head around. It kind of feels like the... The Jets situation is, but they'll figure it out. Like the you said, it's front loaded schedule. They'll be better by the end of it. They'll make the playoffs, maybe win a couple playoff games, and then we'll all uh, look back on it like it just was some growing pains. They had to get a, get comfortable with each other. And Aaron Rodgers, what if they are undefeated by that point? Then what? And we just go ahead and send the Lombardi to New York or New Jersey, wherever their practice facility is. Uh, yeah, I mean, if they're if they're eleven and zero, like. You haven't even considered the fact that they could be good and they could beat everybody. No, they could definitely be good. But if they're undefeated at that point, they've beaten the Chiefs and the Bills twice. I don't know. I'm wearing flip-flops. I'll eat one of them (laughs) on on this podcast. Yeah, I like that, though. Um, Do you think – are you a believer in Aaron Rodgers uh, to the Jets? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think the Jets were pretty good last year. I mean, I honestly – you know what? I shouldn't shouldn't answer that. I have no clue how good Aaron Rodgers is going to be because I didn't think the Green Bay situation was that bad. And I kept, I think, undebatable last year and maybe even on this podcast, we talked about it like 
20 times and I was sort of manic with them. I was like, we got to stop talking about the Packers, but then they would do one good thing. And I'd be like, I'm back in this team is great. Christian Watson is a, is such a freak. Um, so I have no idea what to expect from Aaron Rodgers If he's going to be like the two-time MVP guy or the guy from last year, because he was legitimately not very good last year. And I think we sort of wrote it off based on his unhappiness with the situation, but he's also old as f- <laughs> that's pretty old. Yeah. And he, he's not Tom Brady in that he, he is like considered a pocket passer, but he's always relied on his athleticism somewhat and that's going to fade and injuries are more likely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's never as simple as we think it is like just add a quarterback doesn't always go as smoothly as it did for the Rams and for the bucks when Tom Brady got their thing and the, the bucks, Tom Brady situation, like Brady wasn't good in that playoff stretch that they won a Super Bowl. It's something that we don't often point out is that that defense got them to, and also that defense kind of won them that Super Bowl. Brady was good during the regular season, but he didn't provide much of that Brady magic in the playoffs. But uh, it all could be different for Aaron Rodgers. Who's better, Aaron Rodgers or Messi, who has more impact on their team? Because isn't um, Inter Miami pretty terrible? I have no I'm not even going to pretend to know. I'm not even going to pretend to know. Uh, I Nobody mean, knows. You can pretend it. Anyone who's listening to this is not following Inter Miami. It's hard to find the games. You got to like watch it on Apple TV. But now we're all going to have to get Apple TV sports or whatever so we can watch Messi, right? Is it is it going to change your sports watching habits? No. No? You're not going to watch any Messi? I mean, I, I, I think I have Apple TV. So, you know, the software is there. So I'll probably watch a little bit of it. But like... No, I mean, I remember watching the first game that Zlatan was with the Galaxy, and obviously Zlatan's not the greatest soccer player of all time. And he was, he on, that, he was on the downside two, of his career. Yeah. I mean, Messi is also on the – he's on the tail end of his greatness, even though, you know, yeah, obviously he's but he just won the best player it's, in the world. It's, yeah, it's yeah he's probably still the best player in the world. A little different. Um, yeah, no, I'm not going to pretend that I'm going to be, like, subscribing and watching it every, every uh, Inter-Miami game. I, you know. You, you do watch, Just to be honest, speaking of sports that are outside of our, our like top two in this country, you do watch a lot of tennis and our boy Alcarez was putting up a fight against Nadal oh, yeah. and against Djokovic and came up short. You were rooting for Alcarez, right? Oh yeah. I think everyone was rooting for Alcarez, which actually, this is what I was texting. I think is is fascinating. So Alcaraz, for our listeners who don't know, he is 20-year-old tennis prodigy, won the U.S. Open last year. He, coming into his match against Djokovic, was 35-3 and on the season, um, was playing in the French Open. After two sets, it was one set apiece, and Alcaraz is someone who sort of, I don't want to sound hyperbolic, but this is a genuine comparison I would make. Shot maker like Steph Curry, mover like Tyree Kill. Sort of a freak athlete that we haven't really seen in the sport. Don't want to sound hyperbolic, but he's somewhere between Tyreek Hill and Steph Curry. But you're saying you don't want to sound hyperbolic. Yeah, he's a monster athlete. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I don't know how oh. to describe him. Oh. I don't know tennis like you know tennis, but I watch him and I'm like, this guy could be good. Whatever ball you put in his hand when he was young, he would have been professional at that. He just is explosive as an athlete and the hand-eye coordination also. Anybody who's ever tried to play tennis knows how difficult it is to hit some of those shots that they make look easy. So yeah, I kind of agree with you, but you did go a little overboard. Regardless, 
Irregardless, not a word. But still, irregardless, uh, he had just made one of the you know all time shot against Djokovic, sliding to the back of the court, hitting his forehand. His entire body cramps up. It starts in the hands. It goes down his biceps. You can see him. He can't walk to the bench. And so Djokovic rolls over him after they're two hours in at this point, rolls it over him in the rest of the semifinal. There's a sort of disappointment. There's not a, a passing of the guard. And then Djokovic wins the French Open, wins his 23rd slam, passes Rafael Nadal. It's three ahead of Federer. Ties Serena Williams. It's one behind Margaret Court. And this is fascinating to me because this goes with the Jokic stuff. This goes with something we talked about is that this guy's 36 years old. He takes care of his body like Tom Brady. He's like a lunatic. Like he stretches three hours a day. He's really pushed the boundaries of how robotic and great a tennis player can be. Um, and he essentially will have every single statistical advantage over everyone who's ever played tennis. And he's done so in an era against three Michael Jordan or two other Michael Jordans in, in Federer and Nadal. And now he's doing it against this upstart player who we all believe can be like sort of generational. And the thing I find interesting about this is he's so unlikable in so many ways, just with, with the fact that his playing style is very dry and robotic, uh, wherever you fall on the vaccine stuff, wherever you fall on him, not being sort of graceful, like Nadal and Federer, uh, no one cares that this guy's 36 years old. He's probably the best old athlete of all time in any sport. That was my take. It wasn't that he's the best athlete. I'm not, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jordan guy. Um, but past the age of 30, he's won 11 grand slams. He's won every master series twice. He's won every grand slam tournament three times. And he's done so in this sport where he's playing five hour matches. He's beating people with endurance and physicality at a point when he should be his knees should be dust at this point. His body should be dust. And he hasn't declined at all. And I no want to I want to disagree with you, but there's nowhere to hide in tennis. Like, I, I feel like the thing Real about, long. yeah, the thing about Tom Brady and the thing about uh, like LeBron James and other kind of um, great athletes, older athletes who are great in their older age, is they're in team sports and you can hide them in ways and you can find the things that they do well. Like we watch LeBron in his playoffs. He's still LeBron James, but he only is that LeBron James for certain stretches. And the same is true for Tom Brady. It's like, he's still Tom Brady, but we don't see it happening except for like at the end of close games. Like, Oh, there he is. Hello. The defense plays really well. There's nothing you can really do again. If you've played tennis before you can't like, well, I guess you can, use um like your shot making ability to reduce the athleticism that you have to demonstrate but not at that level like because Alcaraz or, or Nadal or Federer any of those I mean anyone they don't have to be one of those big names can put the ball just about anywhere they want you're gonna have to run and get to it and to find other ways because he's diminished athletically obviously but to find other ways to still be dominant is incredibly impressive but the knock against him, I guess, is what you would argue is the positive is that he didn't like even separate himself in his era, like as an older athlete, maybe. But you call it you said he's competing against other Jordans. That's because other people were dominant in this stretch, just like he was dominant in this stretch, which is not something that you normally think about. When you think about the greatest of all time. You think they might have rivals, but they're different rivals that they destroy. And Jordan is, I guess, the the prototype that we all look at and we saw 
Oh, everyone jumped up. Clyde Drexler jumped up. Malone jumped up. Barkley jumped up. Everybody jumped up to get beat down by Jordan. And uh, Djokovic could never really put any of these guys all the way away or separate himself in any like substantial way. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing. I mean, I, I think I see that is like something that's pretty unique about this era of tennis and like, I don't think we'll ever be repeated in, it, in, in tennis and maybe will in other sports, but by 2008, by the time there was the Wimbledon, the famous Wimbledon final with Nadal and Federer, uh, I think Nadal at that point was 22 years old and Federer, I think was 26 or 27. They were widely recognized as the two greatest players of all time, which is very Jordan-like. Where I think we knew a couple of years in that there was a new sheriff in town. It wasn't Larry or Magic, and so they're the, they're the two greatest players of all time. And for that to essentially be taken from them by their massively less respected peer, that alone is really, really interesting. And for the majority of fans to just sort of be like, ah, we sort of we still like the other guys better. Like, we know you're the best, but we, we still like the other guys better. They made us feel more on the inside. Does style matter this much in every sport? Because I, as I'm thinking about it, like, uh, yeah. it's it definitely feels like it matters in basketball. I think the style matters a lot in basketball. The personality matters. The way that you're doing it, it, it the further we get away from you as a player, I think it separates our memories. Because, like, I guess Allen Iverson comes to mind as a guy whose his style of play and his personality off the court elevated him in a way in our memories. And I think it's important. Like I, the way that I'm explaining it makes it feels like I, I'm diminishing the style, but no, that matters. Like this is the entertainment property is something we talk about a lot around here is that the entertainment value matters and tying you to the game matters and getting you to show up matters. I'd rather have uh, Allen Iverson than a much more boring version of that performing. Is there a sport where it doesn't? Cause like even in boxing, like people complain about Floyd Mayweather's greatness because it was boring and defensive. Like it, it's a, I guess an underappreciated, but very impactful part is like when we have these goat debates, we always start flashing the numbers but I don't know that it matters nearly as much as like how you do it. And, and if it can, if people attach themselves to you in a way broader than just your excellence. I mean, I think it matters immensely. And I think, well, so I think the secret sauce of some of these you know, debates is that when you have the best player in an era, also playing the most aesthetically pleasing style, it really moves people like that's sort of the the michael jordan paradigm it wasn't just that he's the greatest player of all time it's also that like no one looks cooler playing basketball than michael jordan and that's one of the appealing things what about the was one of the appealing things about the rise of the warriors it was like you look at steph curry and you're like holy shit what is this i've never seen this before he's shooting from where this is how their offensive plays and i think you can say the same thing to tie it back to football on Mahomes, where like he plays such a more aesthetically pleasing style than Tom Brady just picking you apart in a two-minute drill that even though the accomplishments don't match up, he's the best player of his era. That's more or less settled. There's still, you know, a lot of work to be done, but he plays the most, probably the most aesthetically pleasing style of quarterback we've ever seen. And it's he's like 26 years old. He's entering goat debates with with Brady already. And that's like a huge part of it's because of style. Well, that's why this podcast is so popular because of all of my style, right, Charlie? Or is it your style? It's true. It's your style. It's definitely not my style. <laughs> Either way, it's been fun. Thanks, Charlie. I'll be back in D.C. soon for our next recording, and we're out.
Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. He's so good! How has Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. <laughs> All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. No count this time. Oh! I love it. Hey, honey. A, B, C. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Roses and thorns. Time for my favorite part with my favorite person, my wife, Ashley Foxford. So it seems like we're getting progressively more formal in our attire. My dress has roses on it. It does. Nice. That's a coincidence. No thorns. Last time we were on our way to a date. No, that wasn't last time. I can't remember what we were wearing last time, but... The time before that, we were yeah, on our way to the date. Yeah, the time before that, we were on our way to the date. But I was wearing a rocked, uh, doing the butt t-shirt. Oh. So, I mean, it's not like my date attire is formal, to be clear. Yeah, but as I said, we're getting more formal. Next time, it's black tie. I'm coming tuxedoed out. I got a purple tuxedo and a you black do. tuxedo. You do. It looks like he got it. One time, he had to do stuff at the SBs, and I really like it. You looked great. So, I think on here last week, when he was talking about how I do things last minute, I was like, I loved that my friend invited me it to a birthday dinner um, two months early. Like, even though... Because it gave me time to clear my schedule to make it. It was in New York this weekend or this past weekend. Um, we're doing this on Friday. You'll hear it on Tuesday. Um, and after all that, I had to change my plans at the last minute right before the final RCP date because stuff came up with our kids. Um, and and we have a funeral to go to. Um, and that just kind of bumped into the plan. So it's really that's the main thing that changed it. But I, I would have let my kids. Yes, see, that's, that was it. Because I would have let my kids just be like at home with no one to drive them places. A babysitter who didn't drive. But it was that we were trying to like have a lot of family who was going to be taking places at a funeral and then get him. We couldn't miss his championship flag football game. Or he couldn't miss it. I could have missed it. But I'm not going to. I'll be there. It's against the team that that he stole the megaphone from last time, right? And Avery has her last soccer game with the the sisters. They've been playing together since like kindergarten, right? I mean, it was co-ed back then. Yeah. So like, they I feel like it was maybe like sisters. second or third. So yeah, like, maybe second grade. Third she's grade. finishing sixth grade now, and they've been the same team. They're going to break up because their school offers 
um, like sports, sports for the first time. And so it's going to be an emotional one. I know. Apparently the practice, they were all like crying. It was just bonding exercises. But so we're in D.C. And because of the Canada wildfires, we had like a lot of smoke here the last Oof. couple of days. It's been it's been rough. Today's finally better. And I shouldn't say it's been rough. It's obviously much worse in Canada. So my, you know, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, but it's been different for us. We're not used to having that. And we weren't expecting it. Right. And so all the kids outdoor activities were canceled. But because it was the last practice, the coach was like, yeah, we'll just do like bonding activities. But I just saw the email and it was email after email of cancellation. So I was like, cool, check done. That one's canceled. And then later another mom texted me like, hey, can you bring, uh, you know, my daughter home from practice? And I was like, oh, my God, I definitely would if I was at practice. Pickup. <laughs> like if I knew there was a practice today. And so my daughter was like, thanks, mom. She's had a lot of like preteen like thanks mom moments with me lately you guys it's where we are you guys do like the attitude back and forth where no (laughs) no one actually ever says anything it's just like real passive aggressive eyes and and sounds that like as i said last week i can be very petty and i'm like (laughs) you ain't going out whatever me little child but Uh, what i'm all i'm doing is actually teaching her how to out whatever like (laughs) like ultimately i'm just making a much scarier version of myself (sighs) and i need to remember that but um summertime Summer, yes, okay, DJ Jazzy Jeff. I stopped singing before they could sue us. (laughs) Oh, very smart, very smart. Yes, it's summer, and like it's so crazy that I get so excited for summer. Like during the ceremony, the principal would say, like, and kids, it's summertime. And so I, um, you fill up with joy, I fill up with joy, like as much as the kids do. And it's so dumb that I do because, like, again, I've talked about my poor camp booking. Like, I don't, and I just think unstructured time is really good for kids. Like, and and the research says that too. Thank you very much. And we're in a place where our kids can't have unstructured time because I, you know, can be at home with them or I can go on, you know, little day field trips with them or travel with them or whatever. But they drive me crazy in that time. But like, but it's so it's weird because I love summer. But like, why? Like the weeks that are in camp, we're still getting up just as early. I'm driving to even more places farther apart because they're all at these random camps. One week, they're all at one camp. It's the weather. I know, but it's something about the unstructured time too. I don't know, but it's like the unstructured time is actually miserable because I'm just stuck with my kids more and having to like entertain them and keep them all happy. But I love summer. So I'm so happy that it's here. Did you do a lot of camps when you were young? What do you like? Yeah, I imagine you do sports camps. No, no, I never. Went what to type of camps camp. did you do? <laughs> um, I, okay, because you don't really... like the outdoors. You don't like sports. I don't know what other type of camps there are, and especially back then. Like now, I feel like there are a bunch of like other type of camps. I hate the like outdoors. A, uh, it was awful like a fashion sports. camp. Didn't Avery do like a fashion? Yeah, camp and she was so year? bored. Yeah, um, and she's done a coding camp. Like to do fashion activities all day, even if it's just a one week camp. Like, duh, and it was like graphic design or not graphic design but like fashion but like designing on a computer so it's not even like they're learning to sew this year though actually she again she doesn't learn but she chose to go back for sewing camp but at least that's like actually like doing something besides just sitting on the computer and designing a t-shirt all week that they eventually like a t-shirt is what they designed in the course of the week and that camp was i would say the most expensive camp other than like a sleepaway camp that you could find like and i was like it was right down the street from house and i was like what the what are, i guess they needed all the computers and to pay the rent at the university they were running out so for me as a child honestly and you're gonna like i went to like some travel camps like um, it wasn't called Camp on the Go. My cousins used to always go to Camp on the Go and I was a little bit jealous where like they would go to like, I think it was West, but to an elementary school and then they would get on buses and do all these cool field trips all summer. 
I went to one that was like that, but it was at like my, I went to Howard's Hospitals Nursery School when I was little. And then when I was older and my little sister was still there in the camp, in the summer, they would do a camp where like the older siblings could come back, but there was no room for us there. But it was like, we would come back and be around for a little bit, then head out on those field trips. So I did ones like that. But my very favorite camp was actually at Beauvoir St. Albans. I can't remember. Even though if you would ask my mom, she'd be like, how was that your favorite camp? Because apparently it was very expensive. And I would always ask to be picked up by my aunt, who was a professor. So she was off in the summer. There were no cell phones. I would go to the office and be like, hey, me and Lauren are ready to come home now because we had gotten through the part of the day we liked and we didn't like the second part of the day. So spoiled. And, and my mom would be like, well, what am I? And I, I understand that now because I'm like, well, what am I paying for when you don't do this stuff? But I used to always like want to leave. But I never wanted to leave before cooking class because we would make I should have guessed <laughs> we would make I will never I think I still have the recipe book from it we would make like sweet treats I remember the lemon drop cookies the elephant just, ears like these are it. the things that I cared about as a child so I'd be like where is the one Emmy's doing a cooking camp this summer actually nice. um but hers is like supposedly all cooking um but that had, was my favorite camp you just had 10 a.m cake today which like I don't understand how people eat celebratory cake at 10 a.m but <laughs> well if you got something to celebrate you got something to celebrate yeah there's plenty of ways to celebrate it don't have to be with cake but yeah I mean, and then my daughter came out crying the youngest one i was like what's wrong daddy said i can't have cake i'm like dominique like get loosen up it is like no it wasn't it wasn't about the cake it was about time to leave like you were no i was saying it's time to up. move towards a reception to leave the playground and move <laughs> okay up so you said it's time to leave i'm wrapping this thing yeah. up. yeah he takes like leave he's like yes we get to leave he takes that very seriously but it's like there's a reception up these steps we need to leave the little playground that everyone has stopped gotta at. be more clear okay but back to what you asked me did you have any fun camps did you have and did you ever do sleepaway i don't think you ever did. Nah, i never did sleepaway camp. do black people do sleepaway camp or did we in our generation i, I mean maybe I some people did but uh, I don't know anybody who ever did sleepaway camp. Oh, actually, I did. Um, well, that didn't count. And when I was in high school, oh, I, did, Maryland. I did football camps that were sleepaway, but they were like, hey, come out here. And it was really just a freaking work audition. <laughs> That's what it was. I mean, it was fine. In I high school, it. you said? I did. Oh, I did Art Monk football camp. That okay, was a sleepaway honey, camp. These are still football camps. No, but this was when I was young. And it was a full pad Oh, camp. God. And the crazy thing about so Art Monk football camp was they separated you by age without any understanding for size. So, like, when you play Pop Warner football, there's, like, an age restriction, but there's also a weight restriction. If you're too heavy, they make you play up. If you're too light, you can play down. And at this camp... Did you have to play down? I would have had to play up when I was a kid. Did you have to play down? Um, my... Uh, yeah, he, had, he had to play down. My, he was a little... Yeah, my final year of um, Pop Warner football, I had to play down. Was it an on. advantage, though? Were you yeah. like, yeah, I'm with these little kids. I'm I mean, balling. Was... Like that Freakonomic. Like, don't they say, like, it's better, especially in yeah. sports, to be older? And, like, yeah. um, I, I mean, I dominated um, no matter what. Even I was if you up played or it. down. We won a championship my second mm, year when I was balling. playing up. And then I played down. And then we went to the national championship and lost to the Winston-Salem Tiny Vikings. And Those boys will monsters. never forget this. Yeah, we went all the way to Disney World. Yeah, they beat the dog out of us. It was Aww. bad. It was bad from the opening kick. But yeah, so those are sleepaway camps I went to. And I worked at a sleepaway camp when I was 14. Camp Greentop, the camp in the mountains of Maryland for disabled children and adults. And that was like... Uh, differently able yeah well yeah differently able at the time it, it was fine to say disabled. i just liked that i like the way it's but um i don't know if you yeah, have to say that my mom got me that job and i called her on the first night crying did you sleep there too yeah it was so this man has been doing i said to black people i did not know yeah. this my husband is i was a, i was a, working Avery, okay well it's a job yeah i was working but i called her crying to come pick me up because it was they were disabled 
like fully I'm differently abled to the point where like I was giving grown men showers and wiping butts and I had to set an alarm so that I could get up and flip we had one camper who um, didn't have arms or legs and then he laid on his side for too long. You get pressure sores. So, yeah. of course, I was the youngest person there. So I got all the literally shit jobs, like cleaning up when there were accidents. But that had to have been I can't imagine how I would survive that. That had to have been a great learning experience. And like, yeah. no, I mean, I think uh, I became a man that summer. <laughs> I think he means that in more ways than one at this sleepaway camp when you were what age? I was 14. Mm. There was Ew, a counselor that is there. so who, gross. Yeah, I mean. Not that he was cleaning shit, that he, oh, yeah. quote unquote, became a man that summer. I was talking 14. about the maturity of taking care of things, not the fact that there were some older counselors who thought your man was cute. <laughs> this man who was playing down <laughs> in his little hey, pop water football hey, team, hey, these older hey, counselors, but hey, okay, hey, girls, hey, go hey, for hey. it. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that's funny. Cause like now Avery, whenever she wants to do sleepaway camps, a lot of her friends go to like, well, this is where I go to this place where my Every father year. and grandfather used to go. They're like legacy sleepaway camp kids. And Avery's like, how come you didn't go? I'm like, cause I was black. <laughs> like, and <laughs> how still come are. my grandparents didn't go? Because they, they were, were slaves <laughs> and sharecroppers. <I'm laughs> that's not, why. Again, I'm one of the young parents. I'm not that old, but, <laughs> but yeah, but it's funny. Cause I'm always like, cause the black people I grew up around never did sleepaway camp. And so I'm like, is that true? Like, are there, I'm sure there are some great ones. Yeah. that are like and if you know of any but the thing is I also don't want to go very far like and so we she did one week of sleepaway camp once and she was probably too young for it I guess she was like um and one of her black friends wanted to do it with her yeah going into third I mean I guess coming out of third grade or was yeah. that already when she was know. in COVID right. um it was pre-COVID year you know I, think, I know but right. it was the summer I guess before way, but however matter. old she was it felt like the first age where like maybe a year before that other kids started doing sleepaway camp but it was like I was like you know what okay so I got her hair braided like just like corn road um but the rubber bands and everything all like came off which I, I predicted like and I was like be careful Avery put the rubber but she did not know how to do her hair so I think that's like one it was hard for her being away for the first time but two and I and when I drove in I remember thinking yes I see a couple black counselors they can help Avery no and maybe there's some rule you're not supposed to touch the kid's hair there's whatever but this poor child and they send pictures um by day three her hair was like just out entangled and like <laughs> like and and like i just was like oh my god we might have to cut it all off when she gets home <laughs> so i think that was half of why she hated sleepaway camp and you know for a little girl like when all these other little you know girls with straight hair are easily washing their hair every night like she didn't she wasn't good at washing her own hair certainly couldn't detangle it like she would she was you know it was, it was i think that was upsetting for her um but but now she knows how to do her hair and it's like i want to go back how come there's not one you went to that you want me to have your same childhood memories i'm like there's a lot of reasons but <laughs> but now here's what dominique's gonna be doing all summer so we've talked about how um or this summer and this brings me back when you're talking about how you got whooped in your championship game and earlier you talked oh, about yeah, the team Declan's playing he has a championship game tomorrow so next year as you guys have heard before dominique is coaching the football team and he's been ordering like different um tools on amazon i feel like you should try to get a sponsor for your team like <laughs> No team has a sponsor, but at least just to send you all these little tennis balls and these ladders. So he's been ordering stuff to do like training. 
exercises like with the kids, um, the team, you know, I think I guess in August yeah. they'll start practicing. But yesterday, though, after the last day of school, if it were me, I would have come home and gotten in bed or like because annoyingly we couldn't go outside. Like like back in the day, we would have gone for like a scooter ride to like a restaurant that they can get yummy food and I can get cocktails at to celebrate. But um, we couldn't do those things with the being smoky yesterday. So we're in the house. He has a first just our son doing ladder. No, it's first Avery. Okay, first Avery, then she quit on it real fast. She and came then back. it became yeah. And then it was our son for a while doing the ladder drills and doing these things where he's throwing tennis balls at them and like catching them in like one hand and tracking, laying on the ground and reaching up to catch tennis tennis balls from the ground. For those of you who are in the sports, these probably don't sound like crazy drills. Um, but it's in our foyer, like of our house. Um and so, so I'm just looking, please don't break a vase. Um, but, and I don't care, like whatever. Yeah, you actually don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, but then, I mean, eventually it was all three of the kids. The final one was them doing planks and having to reach up and catch balls from the planks. And I tried, I tried each of these. I'm actually very good at the, at the yeah, ladder. Yeah, you are. And it's because I used to work out with a trainer a long time ago, Monty. And he used to, and I'm, I'm not coordinated. So I'm sure I wasn't yeah, good at the ladder before. You were good. But that I was good at. But like the reaching up from the plank, I got bad wrists, y'all. I got weak wrists to catch balls. That was challenging. But I'm like, you know what? Before me, people would always be like, and Dominique would say things like, oh my God, these kids better get scholarships to college. Um, and I'd be like, whatever. Like scholarships are really hard to come by. Like athletic scholarships. Like, um, and and certainly merit scholarships are hard to come by too. But I'm like, no, like we, they're not going to get, that's really unlikely just because you did. We can't expect that they will too. But if they're training like this all summer, um, <laughs> yeah. they better get good at this something. This all happened all summer and, and Avery just got a perfect score on her um, research project. So oh my God, I, I think she's going to get an uh, academic they're scholarship. They're really not that available. <laughs> I think they are. I don't know. I mean, they, they need to give one to her because I said so. I um, mean, so great. The athletic scholarships. The thing that I realized is you just got to find the right sport. You got to find the right sport. And like, I've pick given, a sport for each of our kids. I've given them all enough athleticism to, you've watered it down a little bit. <laughs> they have me coming in too. Yeah, I mean, which gives them some charisma and some good looks, <laughs> which doesn't hurt either. Yeah. Um, but they can do that ladder though. A Avery's doing track for the first time. And so like, I think that's her ticket. Track, if, you think? I mean, if there was an academic, I mean, if there was an athletic path um too bad we don't got mixed martial arts scholarships because that's what emmy would do <laughs> emmy's our seven-year-old girl and she is a wild one yeah she's she's probably the strongest pound for pound of any of our kids like natural she's like four years old doing push-ups for fun yeah like for on fun. vacations and i feel like people look at me like watching her do push-ups like by a beach like literally in sand once yeah. like, that seems hard to do them in sand but they probably look at me like i'm a psycho mom like forcing my kid to do like punitive push-ups but she just likes them she yeah. loves them but then she when she actually plays sports she just no kinda... she, she's been getting better she actually asked to do soccer camp this year that's crazy because she does um, not like it <laughs> well she does recently i guess but i don't know now that she's, she's scoring she's yeah. like watch me work and Declan, it would be wrestling, I think, if I we know. get him into wrestling. Because like, I know. There was a wrestling camp, but um, but he's not going back to his same school. And the camp was at his school. And I was like, you're done with that place. Plus, it was weeks that he had the football camp he wanted to go to Um, because he loves he uh, loves football. He does. So we're going to pretend Dominique said it's football because we want to pretend that his dreams are coming true. Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, maybe <laughs> I'm he joking. Can. I'm I think joking. The, the thing about care. Declan's football skills is the thing that he has that I think will make him good at football is. No fear. Yeah, no fear. And he's like crazy aggressive. 
But, but he plays flag football. Yeah, but he plays That's flag football. Problem. And yeah, and uh, and yeah, he's like above average as far as the athlete's concerned, but he's not like, oh my gosh. And this he's kid. tiny. Yeah. I mean, he's not tiny. He's on the smaller end, but he's not tiny. There's he's some like kids the second are, smallest on the team. Yeah, but I mean, he stands out as one of the kids who's a, a better athlete, but I think that that's why wrestling is. I think he's because he's a little smaller. His weight's a little strong. bit lower. He's very strong and he's aggressive. That's the thing that's really hard to find in a lot of kids. I remember when I was a kid, that was the difference in like the better athletes. That went to Salem team that came in aggressive. <laughs> Dumb boys was hungry. <laughs> oh God, they was all big. And, uh, I'll he's never forget them. Nightmares about purple. This. The tiny Vikings. They ran a trick play on the first. Um, on the opening kickoff and it was like why'd y'all do that you didn't have to you could score the regular way the rest of the time <laughs> oh. then we played in the consolation game against a team from California and we lost in triple overtime but we were better than them yeah he lost in triple overtime okay and then our final we, we mentioned it earlier but yes yeah, so Declan has his championship game in flag football I think we told this story you know what uh, I realized we've been doing this I was looking for the picture from the first day of school we've been doing this like since then basically since September geez. um but so, because um, I saw like a, a in my saved pictures, a picture of us doing this then. But anyway, so I think we've told at some point in this time a story about how he played, like he plays in the flag league in D.C. And unfortunately, even though D.C. Um, isn't the chocolate city that it once was, there's still plenty of black people in the city. But I would say there's only one all black team in the league, typically. Um, like there, a lot of the teams come from the suburbs or we're in the city. But I th- his team is probably like, majority black yeah. but not but they're like majority black kids who go to like private school yeah it's a different it's a whole different experience um, but there is a team that he's playing tomorrow and the other team that reached the championship is like the typically it's like much more like the team that i grew up on yes, <laughs> yeah yes, it's let's much say that. more like that i mean and the parents are a lot more into it and so last time they played but Declan's spirit is more fitting yeah. to be over there the last time they played them one of the moms had like a tiny megaphone and she's playing songs from the megaphone and like yelling on the field and like the, the other kids. parents aren't really cheering yeah much. and it's just like the other parents just kind of clapping whatever so like it stands out and so Declan's team won and Declan i was so glad i was and, there. i was on facetime with yeah, him yeah and, and the phone got thrown to the grass because this wasn't the championship game. This was like oh, a consolation a, game. Okay. No, but Declan teams won. And so Declan ran over and the, the woman had put the megaphone down. Declan ran over and took the megaphone and started yelling the same thing she was yelling as they were like she was. He was talking in the grass whole, at this point, looking at blades yeah, of grass because really I had close. to run over and get the megaphone from him. and like she was fine. She was a good sport. And like the kids were all cool. But I'm like, Declan, stop. You are not a grown man, but he is really good at trash talk. Is that a sport? He is Can you so get a scholarship good at trash, at trash talk. He is so like which so he went to my coaching man. It's gonna be an uphill battle. It is. It is like literally one of his questions. My was team like, will not allow that. If like Declan just team. oh oh responsible, <laughs> he was like if Declan because you know like when it's your own parent, like Declan doesn't ever not listen to his coach like that he yeah. currently has, but when Dominique's the coach. And Dominique said this, and I was like, no. They're like, shit, that's definitely 100% going to happen. Um, Dominique's like, so when I say, like, Deck, you're out. It's time for someone else to go. And then he just looks at me and stays on the line. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, we you're going to have to tell the assistant coach to always tell him to come in and out. Because okay. he listens to the other coaches. Just has no respect for you. He um, but he is. And he goes to football camps a couple weeks each summer at a high school here at the St. John's football camp. 
And he went for the first year last year. And last year, he was like the youngest grade that could go. So you're working with older boys. Um, so his trash talk game came back so much better after those weeks there. And I was like, Shoot. and he was already really good at it. So he has that coming out. This is first week of camp this summer. More, more high, hanging out with high schoolers. Yeah. And we got to figure out how to mix in some academics all summer. Avery wants it, fun. though. Avery's oh, like, I'm stepping up in math. I would like a math tutor this summer. Like, okay. Cool, go for it. And Declan's like, I ain't doing nothing all summer. <laughs> We're like, actually, okay. buddy. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day about how different it is raising different kids. They need different things. Whereas, like, for much of the time I spend with Avery about school, it's about, like, don't take it that seriously. It's not that important. And then I go over to the other room, like, can you care a little bit? Like, this is kind of important. Yes. <laughs> like, and he's just like, eh, it's not. He, they, because again, his lower, his elementary school ends in fourth grade so even though it's a weird year that's there in a year and they had a fourth grade yearbook and i was out of town with the girls when the yearbook stuff was due and normally i like to do all that stuff so i told them like, you need to send these things to this woman by this date he because like i could the pictures i i was like here's some pictures tell him to choose he needs two current ones one of him is a baby here's like a bunch he can choose from these um that i had pre-approved because if he had he would have chosen the craziest pictures and of him making these weird faces like he only takes pictures making weird faces they had to now. answer questions and, yes they had to answer questions and his answer to where would i be in 25 years he loves to troll dominique what was it again um he said i will have a gut like my daddy and i'll groan when i get up from the couch like my daddy no no but yeah it sounded better like that. That. it was like i'm gonna have a a big belly and grunt every time i get up from the couch just like my dad does now everybody <laughs> else is like one girl said i'm gonna be madly in love <laughs> which is hilarious he thought that was really funny um and i was like and what is yours and another other kids were like i'm gonna be the ceo of this you know like i will finish college i've been very successful he's gonna have a gut and grunt when he gets up from the couch first of all dominique doesn't have a gut and he doesn't grunt when he gets up from the couch but he uh, loves to say that about him just to troll him i so. do a little grunt <laughs> we'll see after this is over please turn the recording off i'll be getting up anyway and anyway i'm thank excited you. for summer yay summer with the family Woo! <laughs> thank you love you appreciate it bye bye everyone do you need to do your thank yous everybody. oh yeah thank you ashley for being here As thank always, you christina welcome. thank you sarah thank you adi and thank you podville this is the dominique foxworth show